And when we went to India as a family, we stayed with family and we spent time with family. And we spent a lot of time in that family home. And it's in a smaller city, so you know, we really got to know the space and all the memories were kind of tied to that space. And, and so those, I think, kind of seared into me. And then when I went back, I mean, obviously now I have this completely different lens. You know, I'm, I'm a practicing artist. I draw a lot of inspiration from my family and from India and that side of my culture. So to be there with this lens was so crazy. I mean, I was, I mean, it was just amazing experience. Hi, and welcome to The Indian Edit. I'm Natasha, and this is a podcast where you can hear how some amazing, creative, and entrepreneurial women became who they are. Today, I'm so pleased to have joining me via Skype from Cincinnati, Ohio, Joya Logue, the artist and designer behind Rajo Villa. So welcome, Joya. I'm really excited to have you on and hear more about um, your story and the beautiful world of Raja Villa that you've created. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, really my pleasure. We finally got to chat. Um, I'd love to start with um, the fact that you were born and raised in Ohio and um, I somehow always thought that you were Indian and had moved um, more recently to the U.S. like me. Right, <laughs> And I was right. completely surprised to find out that um, your mom is actually American. Yes. And your dad was an Indian doctor who married an American nurse. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> and um, that you grew up in Ohio. Um, yes. So... Um, I, you know, find it really intriguing that despite this um, very American upbringing, um, you have a very strong connection with India, and it seems to have influenced you a lot. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your childhood growing up. And I know you took trips to India quite often. Sure, if you yeah. Could, yeah, start us off yeah. with that. Um, well, yeah, my father immigrated to the States in 1970 and uh, ended up in Ohio. And um, did meet my mom, who was a nurse. And um, so basically, you know, I grew up, I have one of four girls. And mm -hmm. we traveled to India every year. And I, I realize that now as an adult, uh, speaking to other, um, you know, Indian American women that, and men who grew up here that did not travel every year, uh, what a luxury and what a, you know, great gift that was for my parents. But mm -hmm. we spent uh, three to four weeks in India every year as a child through high school. And obviously it got trickier once we were in upper high school and college. But mm -hmm. uh, we made several visits and we stayed with family in, you know, our traditional home, our home of Rajavilla that I will talk to you about and uh, obviously has been um, source main source of inspiration for me. But um, so we spent a lot of time there every year. And additionally, uh, even though we were, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, actually it was my mom's hometown. So we grew up near her family. Mm. Uh, we spent, we had a large community. I mean, a large in scale of that small town of, um, of being, uh, you know, surrounded by other, uh, Indian Americans who had emigrated families. We even had, uh, Pakistani neighbors. We had, you know, so we had this sort of uh, community where we shared holidays, traditions with each other, mm. and there weren't any sort of boundaries in terms of religion or culture. We really shared with everyone, and uh, they're very close family friends of ours even till this day. So we grew up in a small town in the Midwest in the U.S., but um, like I said, we had, you know, this community that we spent a lot of time with. Uh, additionally, my mom... Uh, being American and growing up in a small town, uh, she immediately was obviously very interested in India and traveled there mm -hmm. right away. And she became very um, engaged uh, in the Indian culture and hmm. wanted it to be a strong part of our uh, house. And um, she cooked Indian food and, you know, we did all these things. So it was nice because my dad, I think, was in the mindset of um, assimilating into the culture the American yeah. culture at the time. And my mom was ready to just, <laughs> you know, bring India into the home. And she still, I mean, it, it's, it's just been, you know, it's just became this huge part of our lives. So we, wow. you know, we all just enjoyed it. And I, I mean, she decorated the house with Indian antiques and collected books and, 
um, you know, our home was decorated sort of in uh, that, you know, style. So uh, it was, I think that was all attributed to my interest. And then, you know, traveling there, of course, as a child, um, it's so, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's, there's so many senses that are awakened in India. I think for anyone, uh, and as a child, these things just stuck in my mind. I carried a journal, which I'm so glad that my teachers made me do this because now I look back (laughs) and think, thank you, you know, because I actually would draw in my journal and um, sketch out things when I was young. Mm -hmm. I have little journal entries from grade school up through high school when I was in India. And I, I look back at those now and note all of these little things that I wrote down then, but there's still things that are very clear in my mind now, you know, what the house looked like, what, what we were doing in the garden with our cousins, the market, you know, what meals we had, the sounds, the smells, like everything. Um, So I feel like now looking back, it's this huge gift that I had from my teachers and of course from my parents for taking me there, of course. Yeah. So would you go over summer holidays and that's why you took a long break? Uh, no, we actually went through the school year because my family wanted to not travel during the heat. So right. we okay. we would just take a long break. And luckily, I was also in a small town where the schools were very uh, receptive and fine with that. It's not like today's world. My my right. own children can't get out for more than you know a day or two during the regular school year right, right, without right. Uh, being penalized or getting behind. So. The teachers are very understanding. It was a very small uh, school, and we took our work with us. We even had a whole suitcase full of our textbooks. Cause, <laughs> you know, this was in the '80s, <laughs> so um, the early '80s when we would were taking all of our textbooks with us. So we spent time doing work, schoolwork there, and reading, and and also, and then they were really good about assigning projects, you know, to interview like family or to make a family tree and things like that. So. Uh, it was That's a good amazing. experience, you know, I'm glad yeah. I had that. Um, and it's amazing back. you still have those journals. <laughs> I do, I do. I have a couple of them. I don't have all of them, but I do have a couple. And uh, my drawings <laughs> were not the best. I'm glad I'm a better <laughs> artist now. But um, I think I was, I remember one specific drawing I had in there was um, of the cows that had got into the gate, the garden area of Raja Villa. And, um, you know, I even drew a picture of my dad out there trying to shoo them out. Uh, <laughs> it's just funny. You know? So, uh, you know, some things don't change, right? So, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so journal writing, I, I went through a period of time where I never wanted to write anything down. Mm. I, you know, I don't know why I feel, oh, I always felt like I was not a good writer. I studied science. In school, I loved art on the side, but I always felt very critical of myself in terms of writing. But now I am so into writing things down. Mm. So, I mean, writing letters or writing, just writing experiences down because it feels like how can you remember something so amazing? And also, we are so reliant on our phones to take pictures. And I love pictures and I love taking pictures and, and yeah. photography, but I feel like I'm trying more to be in the moment of these experiences. Mm. So I, for, I will leave a dinner with a friend and, or, you know, somewhere where I'm out. I mean, I'm not saying sightseeing, I'm saying more of a personal interaction or something yeah. and will not have gotten my phone out at all to take a picture or to, you know, document the night. And I think that's a good thing in one sense, but then I'm like, oh, I t- that was just such a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to write that down. Or I want to remember what that person shared with me in terms of mm-hmm. something I should look up or see. Mm-hmm. So I've made a point to now start journaling more. Yeah, I think many of us come to this stage where <laughs> slowing right. down is sort of, uh, <laughs> you kind of have to do it um, because you realize how fast time is moving yes. when you have kids especially and I know you've reflected on this um quite a bit as well but um yeah it is actually wonderfully slowing to stop and write things down especially by hand so yeah um so you mentioned you started um down the science course when you were in college um and you studied biology chemistry and psychology (laughs) yes I did yeah cover all the bases exactly well and I mean the funny thing is is when I tell people that and they associate with me being Indian and from uh four generations of doctors Mm. um and you know one of four girls 
so my dad was the only son. So, you know, that's a big deal to have these four girls and then no son and Mm -hmm. all this thing. So, but actually my parents were not, um, forceful about any kind of studying of any subject matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, my sisters and I do all different, had all different career paths and interests. And actually my dad never, I mean, he would have loved obviously, yeah, you know, have that, but he actually now says medicine's changed. <laughs> so, mm. you know, it's not the same, but, um, I was genuinely interested, interested in science and mm-hmm. all through grade school, genuinely interested in human anatomy and physiology. I love psychology. I actually, this was just something I was truly interested in on my own. Mm-hmm. And, um, I loved the idea of developmental psychology. So in college, I really was thinking about either being a pediatrician or going into child psychology, getting my PhD. And, um, you know, things kind of changed mostly uh, after graduation because I was, you know, got a job out of school and wanted in at children's hospital, at a children's hospital, working with a team of uh, researchers. And, you know, it was just this different, mode I was in, I I really wanted to work or, Mm. you know, to start a family. You know, I just really wasn't thinking of myself in this long-term academic setting. Mm -hmm. And then I also, I mean, to be honest, my dad will laugh now, but I did shadow him and I was a little bit queasy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, granted, he's a gastroenterologist. So, I mean, you know, he always said, don't worry, Joya. I passed out in my, you know, one of my anatomy classes or whatever, (laughs) but... (laughs) all good but um i think i i still think i have a hard time or i would have a hard time separating the person from the work and i feel like that's really something that a lot of physicians need to treat um Mm -hmm. you know their patients i mean not though completely but in some aspects and i was very i don't know i just didn't have the stomach for it i think so i mean i still love the sciences i still stay up to date on you know, what's going on in medicine and Mm -hmm. and psychology and everything. But um, yeah, so I I didn't take that route. Mm -hmm. But you did work on the marketing side um, in pharmaceuticals for a while, right? Right, I did. I spent um, just a little over a year at Children's Hospital. And then um, a friend of mine worked for a pharmaceutical company and, you know, thought I would be great because he, he was like, you know, you have this wonderful science background and, you know, you a lot of, you know, um, the marketing and sales and stuff don't have that, but you have that, but you're also outgoing. And of course, (laughs) so, um, he thought that it would be a great match. And I ended up spending quite a bit of time doing it. Uh, I was, I worked for about seven to eight years Mm. in the pharmaceutical industry and, um, you know, it was great. I, I mean, I enjoyed it at the time looking back. I don't, again, I feel like my journey is much more well-matched for where I'm at, obviously. And, Mm-hmm. You know, it was at the time it was a good source of income and I really enjoyed combining the science and talking to people and and I had a great rapport with the physicians. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I feel like, you know, maybe at that point I, offer, I could offer something unique in terms of, you know, having the science background and being able to really dive into some of the research and things like that mm-hmm. on that level with them. So but in the end, um, my second son was born. And around this time, and he had severe food allergies. So mm-hmm. I ended up uh, taking a family leave, uh, medical leave for a couple of months. And then I just decided that it wasn't uh, going to be easy for me to be working outside the home at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He was in a lot of, he had severe, he still does have some severe uh, food allergies. But, uh, you know, at the time he was a baby, he was very reliant on me in terms of um you know, everything and he wasn't sleeping and he had some GI distress and, Mm. um, you know, I was breastfeeding him and I had to be on a strict elimination diet for myself. So, um, it was, it was very exhausting. Um, and, uh, there's a reason why I always say there's a reason why sleep and good nutrition is important for you because, you know, it really was the most exhausting period of my life so far was, uh, having a new baby who did not sleep at all and who was in very oh uncomfortable goodness. and, yeah, yeah. Not in, you know, in pain and, and I wasn't eating much. And so it was just this different, this oh. different period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So when you had, is this the time when you started thinking about the, 
more stylish way to carry baby essentials yes, right. around <laughs> and yeah so I uh I mean it's I was sleep deprived and um, <laughs> apparently had more energy than I do now because if I was on that low of sleep now, I would definitely not have energy to start a business or <laughs> even pursue any, you know, creative idea. Um, but I was a lot younger then, you know, this was 13 years ago. So I, yeah, I, I was, um, I've always was creative in making things. So again, during my whole, you know, uh, childhood and teenage years and even through college, I was making things, sewing things. I wasn't really painting much, but, mm. um, I was sewing a lot. So I would make things, I would reupholster furniture. Um, like I would just was, you know, hands-on like trying things. Mm. And I decided when I had the, uh, my second son that I really also wanted this sort of minimalist, um, you know, look of being a mom out and about. I didn't want to be bogged down by these big bags that were just ugly and, um, you know, the diaper mm -hmm. bags that were out there, this was, you know, early 2000. So, yeah. And, um, so I just couldn't find anything that I liked and I really wanted to just carry my own handbag. So I decided to design this clutch, um, which like a diaper clutch. And now they're, it's funny now it's its own category, but at the time there was nothing. And I decided to design it at my kitchen table and, you know, sew it up like a prototype, I, you know, ended up showing it to my sister and her friends mm -hmm. and everybody liked it and used it and actually felt it to be very practical. So that was a big deal because, um, you know, obviously there's always style trends and, you know, yeah. things that go in and out, but I feel like it was, it was the product itself that was very attracted to to moms and dad, you dads, mm -hmm. even I had dads that carried them, uh, because they, it was so practical and nobody, there was nothing out there that, and what this was, was just to describe it, was this simple um, clutch that when you opened it up, it had a place for your baby's diapers and then a place for your baby's wipes and then a changing pad rolled up in the middle and an extra pocket. And then it like basically buttoned up and, or one button closure. Uh -huh. And it was really small. I mean, you could fit it in any handbag. So it was just this sort of way of carrying things around um, for your baby. And I did not make it to start a business. I made it for myself initially mm -hmm. and it sort of the idea then, um, kind of just took off from there. Mm. Um, but this is when you had your, your second son was a baby yes. so I had and you a, left the pharma job. Right, right. So I had a, uh, two and a half year old and a baby <laughs> and I was, uh, decided just to make some. And then I decided, you know, I was going to put a little website up, um, very small. And I did that. And then, um, you know, attached like a shopping cart to it just to make it easier because I was taking orders from family and friends on mm -hmm. like email. And so I ended up putting a little website up and I was still sewing them at my kitchen table. So what I would do, I wasn't sewing that many at the time. I mean, maybe, you know, 20, 30 here, but I was, um, staying up, you know, when you have little kids, they just, you know, two and a half year old and a baby, you cannot do much, especially sewing, you know? So yeah. I would, um, sew from like 9 PM to like one or two in the morning after. Oh and actually at the same time, my husband was getting his MBA. And so he was up late studying. I was up late sewing. I mean, we were very sleep deprived and sort of young and naive. <laughs> I know. It sounds like a good window to sleep in, but <laughs> Right. So um yeah, it was uh it was I would never be able to do that now. I'm much I need my sleep now, but then it was different. So basically uh it became very successful very quickly in a sort of organic way, mm -hmm. which um you know really made me uh just get jump right in, I guess, in the beginning. So, so you started I, making, you would make them from scratch by yourself? Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and yeah, were they just was, sort of uh, printed fabric or plain? Right. So at the time I was, um, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about creating my own fabric. At the time I was just sourcing really good prints that were sort of not babyish mm -hmm. at the time, you know, cause this was still at the time where everything was baby pink, pink and baby blue. And I just wanted something modern. So, um, I just would source fabrics that I liked and then I would order them and I would get the supplies ordered. And so, yeah, sew them myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
And um, you mentioned that it blew up when the yeah. Daily Candy website right. um, featured you, um, which for people who d weren't... Or too young. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm trying to think of a, uh, a less incriminating well, way of saying that. Right, I know. It's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm owning my age. I'm exactly, yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. 42 as well. Me so, too, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> But yes, that website, when it first started, actually, it was more like a newsletter, um, right, where right. they really picked um, daily favorites in all right. different categories. Uh, yeah. It was huge. Yeah, it was huge. It was, um, I mean, I personally subscribed to Daily Candy. And so yeah, you, they would send you the um, newsletter in the in your email. And actually, at the time of this, uh, there was only one Daily Candy out of New York. And, um, there was only one day a week where they would feature anything mm. to do with baby products. Mm. So, you know, years after that, they had lots of cities, they had lots of baby things, but this was at the time where there was one New York office, one daily candy newsletter that went out about baby products on a Thursday. And I found out about it. Um, well, actually what happened was I was asleep and my phone was ringing off the hook and <laughs> Um, my husband was like, you know, I don't even remember why he was, had saw my website or something, but he was like, you know, there's, you have phone, missed phone calls from all over the world. And I'm like, what? And, um, of course I'm sleep deprived. So I'm thinking he is also sleep deprived <laughs> and we're all just misinterpreting what we're saying here. But, um, he said, I said, well, what's going on? And so he, we always knew like log into my, he logged into my, um, my, uh, shopping cart account or my thing. And he said, tried to, and he said, your website's crashed. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I just had no idea what was going on. And, um, you know, I had thought about sending press out. I actually had typed up a letter to daily candy and I it was sitting on my dining table that day and never sent it yet. <laughs> and I purposely didn't send out a lot of things at that point because I was still sewing myself and I was worried about sewing. Right. Um, so, you know, I woke up to this, I didn't even know what was going on at that point. Cause my website crashed. There's no way to check it. And then I ended up going and looking at my email and I saw my own daily candy mention in my own newsletter that I subscribed to. <laughs> oh, wow. And it mentioned joy and baby, which I mean, you know, it was like a small, you know, at the kitchen table brand along with Skip Hop at the time, who was brand new mm -hmm. for people who don't know, that was a big deal. And you know, Dante Beatrix, like all these other top brands. And the way they described it was, um, you know, I don't even have a, I should have pulled it up for you, but it was very like fashion forward, you know, this, like mm -hmm. the way they, this little hook they did and they linked to my website and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's like one of those, uh, real signature moments of brand creation and everything yeah, but on its own yeah I find I know the story after even more interesting because um so you actually tried to keep up with this demand that initially this yes coverage mm -hmm. led to. right I did I I you know I had so many orders I had wholesale people calling me from LA and from New York and in abroad and so I you know was sort of you know, trying to just keep up with the orders at that point. And that was fine. And, and I sewed a lot, <laughs> I sewed a lot. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what, I'm going crazy, like wholesale orders. What? So, you know, then at that point I was trying to find out where am I going to manufacture this or do I get a sewing co-op or what am I going to mm -hmm. do? So and how, how long were you doing this by yourself? On my own? Yeah. Oh, I was doing it on my own for several months. Okay. Um, I mean, I really, I ended up, so even when I moved the, the clutch production to New York at first, um, I was still sewing, like I had decided to come out with a matching, like nice high end blanket, because this was actually uh, suggested to me from some of the retailers in LA. Mm -hmm. So they really wanted like this sort of display, the shelf space. And this is something I learned on the mm -hmm. go about marketing, but I didn't realize it at the time how much this shelf exposure space needed to be. And a lot of these buyers, even like the buyers for Nordstrom and things, they, they were like, you know, you need a whole line. You, we can't put you on the shelf, just this little tiny clutch. Mm. I mean, small boutiques could, but anything bigger was like, you need more presence because people don't know you, mm. you know, all these things. So 
I was working on that at the same time, but I, after several months of this, I don't even remember the exact time frame, but I ended up moving the, this clutch production, which mm-hmm. was the most time consuming, as you can imagine, with pockets and yeah. elastic, right? I mean, I must have been insane, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but um, painting to me seems so simple now. But uh, so when I, I sent it to the, I found out a, a great man, bag manufacturer. They were actually did high end handbags, uh, which was ironic that I was there with a baby bag at the time. And uh, like they were the ones who did Rebecca Minkoff. And I don't remember, like, in the beginning, we knew her samples and stuff. And so I didn't remember how I even found this place. I actually feel like it was an internet search or something strange. But they were a great company and very small family run. And I just went to New York, and it was in the garment district, and showed them what I wanted. And they did a great job. I mean, obviously, it raised the prices, of course. And, um, you know, my margins were different then, but... You know, the time mm-hmm. was better. So all these things I was learning on the go again. You know, I don't have this background. So uh, we ended up, I ended up producing them for about a year, almost two years in New York. And okay. the very reliable production, you know, when you have it that close, which is great. Um, and then basically, you know, to make a long story short, because this could go on forever, but the, um, I didn't end up scaling up after that because I, the, the, Interest was like worldwide at this point. So I had Japanese buyers contacting me. I was going to start attending trade shows. So I attended my uh, favorite, the one in New York, the small one, which was Bubble. And um, it was in Chelsea. It was a great Mm -hmm. venue, very selective brands. And then I, you know, went to a couple in LA. And so when I went there, I had to be prepared for the, you know, influx of orders and all this. So I did Uh move the production to India. Oh, and um, that was a that was an interesting experience. Um, it was great. You know, they did a good job. But what I realized with this large production is you put up all this capital up front, and mm-hmm. you end up losing so much product uh, from mm. error. And I didn't realize that, and it was so disappointing um, personally to me, and also for the environment. I just hated mm. to see so much waste. Mm. And I'm sure things are different now in some aspects, but this was again you know, like mid to late 2000s. Um, and so it was just, it was difficult. Um, and I ended up selling that inventory easily. And then it became this whole thing of what am I doing, right? I mean, am I yeah. seriously going to be keep reinvesting this a large amount of money in to resell it? What I was, ha- what was happening also was that what I was ordering wasn't enough to cover the international market in the U.S. because the Japanese market would just buy out my inventory. <laughs> And That's so, so interesting. You would think people in Japan would have their own minimalist right. um, solution. Well, Joya Baby was cutting edge. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> it was very new. I, you know, um, I don't know. They loved it. And it was great. It was. Um, I had. I really loved the buyers there. Yeah. And they featured it in Vogue Japan mm. and and L Japan. All the top magazines featured it. Mm. I mean, it was pretty amazing. And yeah. I, of course, I love Japanese aesthetic. Yeah. And I feel like they're always modern and cutting edge. So it was a thrill to sort of yeah. be a part of that world yeah. at all. And um, but at the same time, what was happening in the U.S. was the recession. Mm. Um. So a lot of the small baby boutiques that uh, sold my product and did really well, they were closing. I and see. so it just became this strange situation. And I felt like the only way to, to do this was either to get another investor involved mm. um, who had experience in overseas manufacturing mm-hmm. um, so that it was a little bit more manageable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, again, was living in Chicago at this point with my boys I had and I had just had my third son Mm. um so I had three children three small children Mm -hmm. and um no help (laughs) I always like to mention that um (laughs) as we do it all right but um and you know it was just um living in the city it was chaotic and busy and I wasn't sure if I could handle this on my own so I did interview several people and to be honest there was just not a good match Um, Mm -hmm. so many, first of all, there was a lot of men who are very disinterested in the fashion aspect of it, Mm. you know, wanting me to just streamline it and go all black or gray, which, you know, I love black and gray myself, but for this market, (laughs) you know, what Mm -hmm. was unique was also that it was not baby looking and it was interesting looking. Mm -hmm. And now, now baby products are all like that, you know? So, (laughs) so anyways, I just made this decision at that point to, I was almost out of my inventory and the rest I put on Zulily. 
Mm-hmm. And I just decided to close the business. I didn't have any major loss. Um, but you know, it didn't feel, uh, you know, I thought it would feel sad to me or like, a, or mm-hmm. also like, um, you know, like if I failed or something and I didn't really feel like that. I mean, maybe there were outside people who might've thought that I, I do actually think there were critical people that I, w- that I was close to, um, that thought that, oh, she failed and maybe they enjoyed, you know, I don't know. But to me, it was like a personal decision. My mm. youngest son also had food allergies. Oh, wow. And, you know, I had to go through the whole process Were they the same allergies again. at least? As no, second? they're not the same. Oh, they're wow. still not the same. Okay. So I cook so much. I cook so much for them. But they're my priority, obviously, my family. Yeah. And you just cannot ignore that. And yeah. you can't, you can, I, hire, I had a nanny when I worked in the corporate world and you know, they're just, it's not enough. There's, I just never felt like you could really trust someone with something like that. I mean, food, allergies like that severe. Um, mm. it was, you know, it was intense. So, yeah. and my husband had taken a new job on and he was very busy. And so it just did not make sense for me to, I needed to slow down and yeah, I was fine yeah. with that at that point. The right. other thing is I'm glad I had some intuition about the future. I, I actually felt like this could be get lost very quickly because mm. what I noticed was that um, at the time it was really interesting to be a small brand. That mm-hmm. was something new and exciting. And I feel like now there's been a resurgence of that, which is great. Mm-hmm. But at the time what was happening was all these other diaper bag brands and all these baby brands were just becoming huge. Mm-hmm. And they were coming to my trade show, my booth and looking at my product ordering one and then coming out with one just like it or similar Mm. and they could do that in one second because their production's already set up everything's set up so i just kept thinking that you know this could be something that could really you know just fizzle out i mean it's not Mm -hmm. i don't think it's about Mm -hmm. it was i didn't take it personally Um, yeah 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 so it was a great experience i look back and you know i kind of felt a little guilty about spending the money i did at the time and my husband's always been a big champion of me and always been super supportive and mm-hmm. he's like no I think it's it was a great experience for you I mean it's like you got he was getting his MBA you know at, at <laughs> but Kelly, you were doing the, Kelly, yeah, the work at the Kelly School of Business you know in Indiana and I was you know um doing this and he's like you had real world experience and you've got experience in marketing and sales right. and production and international business and you know I mean it is what it is and you know, these things don't last forever. And I really didn't see myself being in the baby industry forever either. And I'm glad that I saw that at that point. Yeah, that's interesting that you had that perspective, because I think when you're in the moment, and especially if there's so much demand, um, you know, that's the catalyst for so many people. And then the whole culture of the sort of entrepreneurial cult the stage right, we're right. all in now there's this push to just scale it make it big and that's seen as kind of the only path so uh it's very interesting to me that you kind of paused and were <laughs> so decided right. to take a different route but um going back to your work and you know you had put a hold on the joya baby idea Uh, Did you at that time turn back to art or start painting? Yeah. So we, um, we ended up, uh, moving to Cincinnati around that time. And I was sort of like, what am I going to do? You know, Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, it's funny. I think that I always thought that maybe I would be happy just doing, you know, staying at home and not being busy with things, but I do have a calling. I feel like to work or to produce something. So, uh, I just decided to start, um, painting. I mean, it was like dabbling in watercolor again. I mean, through college, I did a little watercolor, nothing major, you know? And it's just funny because so many people ask me like, how long have you been painting? And to be honest, I only started regularly painting like regularly, like everyday practicing, maybe six years ago. So for a couple of years, I would just, when I first moved here, um, it's, we've been here for seven years. So the first year when I moved here, I was just getting settled. I played around with maybe having a blog, mm-hmm. you know, sharing recipes, um, maybe sharing photography. I don't know, but I actually kind of grew out of that as well in terms of oversharing my family. I mm. went through this period where I just felt like, um, 
you know, I shared a lot of pictures and things like that. Instagram was new mm-hmm. and, you know, it was fun for a while. And then I just, I don't know, I evolved into, you know, I just want to do more of something that's not related to my family mm-hmm. specifically. And so I would paint little things, uh, motifs maybe for ideas for stationery, for friends. I mean, I started doing some things for friends mm-hmm. or, you know, I decided I wanted to like develop my own prints. And I think that stemmed from, you know, when I was doing Joy of Baby, I loved the function of the product, the look of it, you know, I wanted different fabrics, but I didn't even think at the time that I could paint anything. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought of this challenge of, you know, I'll make my own textiles and maybe I'll create clutches for just women, you know, just a handbag mm-hmm. uh, with them. So that's what I started doing. I started really researching Indian textiles, um, looking through photos of mine. Obviously, I wasn't traveling to India at that time. Um, I mean, I had been to India since my kids are born several mm-hmm. times, but I wasn't going from that period of time. After my third son was born, I kind of had this, you know, I didn't travel as much when he was going mm-hmm. through this whole thing again. So I was just really referring to things that I had collected over the years, books and patterns and prints and things and started coming up with my own watercolor mm-hmm. patterns and then decided to have them printed and again, went back to sewing, which was kind of funny because I think I swore <laughs> that I would never do that again. But but I kept telling myself, you know, this is very simple. And um, the reason I thought of a clutch also with the print, which would seem ironic for me now, people who know me, I have a very minimalist style in terms of wardrobe. But mm-hmm. I think what I loved about the idea of it was that um, someone for someone like me who wears a lot of black, gray, white stripes, mm-hmm. maybe, um, I love this like pop of like, color or ethnic something, you know, and Mm -hmm. I never really wore a lot of jewelry or anything. And so I just thought it'd be fun to just wear art, you know, in some way or Mm -hmm. have something unique, a conversation piece or, and I just thought, you know, other women might enjoy that too, where it doesn't have to be some, you know, large piece, you know, or some like, you know, huge textile thing or that people buy paintings and they hang it in their wall or, you know, do something, but what else can you do with, you know, art like that's interesting. And so Mm. I don't know, I just decided that, um, a a clutch with this, these patterns or something would be fun. And I just decided to do it at small scale, which was really important to me as well, because I wasn't going to go crazy again, just Mm -hmm. because my other one was, you know, successful in that way. So I started small and ended up launching like maybe the first time uh, four or five prints and they did really well. They sold out, you know, within a couple of weeks. And um, so it was fun. You know, I just started doing it like that. And I would just introduce mm-hmm. maybe a new collection every six months to a year. Nothing major. Mm-hmm. And during this whole time, I was painting more. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't just limiting myself to textile ideas, but I just started painting anything and everything, you mm-hmm. know, and trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do with this. Mm-hmm. So was a daily practice kind of key in your yes, development? Yes. Did right. you intentionally say that in the beginning that you would try and do this? No, but um, I felt so, um, I still feel this way. I just feel so at home with watercolor and mm. I feel very connected to it. So it just feels so relaxing to me. And it was a great way to just sit down and again, just paint. And I didn't feel any pressure then. So mm-hmm. I really was, you know, because I wasn't like, I didn't have like a job, like, okay, we'll paint this. And so I just was painting whatever I wanted. And that really allowed me to sort of just try lots of things. And, yeah. you know, I ended up getting, so I ended up starting to share things on Instagram. And that's when my Instagram started changing more to my art and not family mm-hmm. bits. Although if you scroll way back, you'll mm-hmm. see my little Robbie, <laughs> um, you know, or Adorable. Did you see yeah, so <laughs> sweet. I mean, I tried to erase all those, but you just can't. Instagram does not make it easy. So whatever, <laughs> that's a little archive of, of my little one. But um, yeah, so I just started just transferring things like, you know, maybe I'll share a little bit here. And I ended up getting some great uh, freelance jobs ori- originally, like right away. And mm. that was exciting and kind of you know, strange to me, but so I did some little illustrations for like, um, a wine label in Napa and, you know, some other uh, companies wanting like stationary or promotional things. Mm. So I did that and that was fun. And, um, so what really kind of led me to where I'm at now is that 
the clutches I still have and I do, and I just did a re, um, re-release of some of my favorite prints. Oh, I and, have one of those, and I love right, it. The Tolly yes. Gunch, is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, Tolly Gunch, yeah, from my Calcutta uh, inspiration. And then um, my one of my other favorites, of course, is the Heritage Clutch, which features my family ancestral home, Raja Villa, mm-hmm. on the front. And so it, uh, I love those, you know, and I carry them, and, you know, I just felt like I'll do one more sort of thing. And then kind of decide now this year, what I'm going to do with that, you know, if I'm going to do another round of prints, but it was great because I was able to actually sell those at our contemporary art museum, the contemporary Mm -hmm. art center in Cincinnati, which is a wonderful museum. Um, they, I've also led workshops, watercolor workshops there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like sharing, of course, that's the benefit of this experiment we're doing, the psychological experiment we're doing online mm-hmm. with social media is obviously there's some benefits, you know, of sharing, of making the world smaller and sharing your work. Mm-hmm. And that happened to me and it sort of, you know, have led me to continue to share and get different ideas and work and connect with other artists and mm-hmm. designers and people like yourself. So it's just very, you know, I feel like it kind of organically happened again. You know, I just started sharing and um, yeah. transitioning over to this art centered focus. Mm. So was it during this time, uh, of experimenting with painting and everything that you kind of re, um, um, reawakened, I guess your interest in your family home, or has this always been something that you've been really kind of actively interested in? Um, the house, it sounds beautiful. Your photos from there are really lovely. And um, I am just interested in this idea of that house because right. um, in addition to the actual inspiration artistically from, you know, the building and the uh, family and also the beautiful family photographs that you have um, I know. that you also share. Um, but there's also this, you know, intense nostalgia it creates even in people who, who aren't from the family. Well, I'm glad that, <laughs> and this... well, that's interesting to know because, uh, I mean, it's so intense for me. I mean, I, I am a very sentimental person in general, probably. Mm. And obviously I'm very nostalgic about this. And I, for it actually was always with me because, you know, I would always think about it. But it's weird because honestly, 20 years passed where I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. which was amazing to me because um, it really was because it's not in the city center area. So when I've traveled since then for weddings and things, I haven't been able to get up there and spend time there. Mm. Um, it's in Punjab. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. four hours or more North of Delhi. Right. And so I just, you know, it was just had to be a planned thing. And I don't know, it's just strange. So, uh, but in my mind, it was very vivid. And yeah. I think that's also because like I said, when we went as a child, uh, to India, we didn't travel all around the country. Like I have never been to to South India. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been to Calcutta and I've been to, you know, the areas near Delhi, Rajasthan, but I ha- and Punjab, but I haven't been to any areas outside mm-hmm. of that. And when we went to India as a family, we stayed with family and we spent time with family, and we spent a lot of time in that family home. Mm-hmm. And it's in a smaller city, so you know, we really got to know the space and all the memories were kind of tied to that space. And, mm. and so those, I think, kind of seared into me. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back, I mean, obviously now I have this completely different lens. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a practicing artist. I draw a lot of inspiration from my family and mm-hmm. from India and that side of my culture. So to be there with this lens was so crazy. I mean, I was I mean, it was just an amazing experience. So I was there with my sister, who my youngest sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she is uh, a writer for television and film in LA, and she works on a lot of uh, projects that are going to be in India as well. So her and I were there together with our cousin who lives in India, and um, it was very intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it was uh, emotional. It was on the anniversary of my grandmother's death mm. um, that we were there for, and um, there were just so many things, you know, I wanted to visually see it again, take it all in. Um, once I got there, I couldn't leave the house. Like I couldn't even walk to the market. <laughs> I was just like, you know what I mean? I was just yeah. like walking around and taking it in. And 
the presence was so strong there and that mm. um there were so many special moments so the fact that it comes off to other people i mean that's pretty crazy and amazing but it was very very real and so mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. the thing was but that it's also it was, i mean this visit you're talking about was quite recent but um right. you know you've since you've been painting for the past five seven years it has been an inspiration for you right, right? yes so, yeah i mean mm -hmm. it's been wild that it it was so in my mind and right. um but if i look at my journals when i was a child all of my stories and little things were there we were there a lot we spent time in in delhi uh, mm -hmm. my great aunt lived in delhi in greater kalash and i have wonderful memories um mm -hmm. of, with her and mm -hmm. but we had just so much time in at Roger Villa. And so I think the home, it was just like sort of this, you know, I mean, you think about it as a child, you're going away from Midwest Ohio. Right. I mean, we had traveled to, but I mean, I had been to Europe and things. So it's not like I had only went to India, but we traveled to Europe as well. We were yeah. around the States, but just to have that experience of going somewhere and you're in one, this one big house with your cousins and your grandparents and your aunts and, yeah. you know, and all these experiences and you're there and you really, it, I think it just really stays with you. So well, it's uh, also it's a, a historic house. Right. It's a very yes. beautiful historic house. Um, it is. It's a very historic house. Um, it has a lot of history. So our family's Bengali and mm -hmm. um, my, um, third great-grandfather um, in the mid-1800s moved from Calcutta to mm. um, the Punjab area mm -hmm. and settled. And then um, then all the generations, there's been there the fifth generation there. And so there's a lot of family history. And then, um, you know, my grandmother is also Bengali and she, um, she grew up in Delhi. And so, mm. and then she then moved there and lived there her, mm -hmm. basically her entire adult life. Mm. So, uh, the so house, how old yeah, is the house? Do you uh, know? The house is back to 1845. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I mean, that's not like everyone's grandmother's house in India. Right, it's, uh, <laughs> right, right. Quite I unusual. Mean, older, I mean, and it's the thing is, it's in a fragile state. So mm. it was exciting to be there to kind of see about what we, what we can do. Mm. And also um, working on restoring it and to the best we can. And then also uh, my sister and I that I mentioned are working on a sort of a historical project together mm -hmm. um, about the house and about our family. So it's just an exciting time because there's just lots of history and intrigue around it. And then yeah. also, um, you know, it just being this unique uh, place, yeah. but also having a Bengali family in Punjab. Is right, very right, right, right. So at that very time, interesting. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So we're working on that. And um, yeah. Well, so I was thinking, looking amazing. through your Instagram, um, that it would be beautiful if you ever put together a large art book um, with yeah. your mm -hmm. art, your family photographs. Um, You're reading my mind. See? It would be. <laughs> it's already in my notebook. I'm um, sure you've thought yeah. of it, right? Yes. Um, yes. I'm working on an exhibit. I want. I mean, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I have yet to really exhibit my work in person. Which, I mean, mm. it's fine because I'm very. I feel like I'm fairly new. You know, I'm. I'm just mm. really getting into my work. So that's fine, but I do have had it on one of my things that I really would like to exhibit in person. What I find from people who have my art, either my originals or even even my prints, mm -hmm. that they always message me afterwards and say they think it's more beautiful in person. And I mean, it's really hard to photograph mm. art. It's very hard to photograph watercolor mm. because it's so transparent in some aspects. Mm -hmm. So that's always lovely to hear. And um, I mean, it's funny because like I've just been... I mean, I've been blessed that I've had a couple of people like, um, you know, Sanjay Garg from Raw Mango, mm -hmm. who uh, we've become friends. He, you know, ended up hanging one of my original pieces in his new beautiful store in Bangalore. And oh. that was, I didn't even know he was going to do that. So that was um, such a, you know, special thing. And yeah. um, to have my art hanging somewhere like that, you know, um, it's the only one hanging in India. So there you go. Unless it's in someone's <laughs> home, right? Um, so everybody had the raw mango in Bangalore to see. And then also mm -hmm. um, Anavella Mishra, you know, the designer mm -hmm. as well. She also commissioned me um, maybe two years back, I think now, to paint several paintings for her. And she has the originals in her studio. So that oh. was also really lovely because these are both two designers who I really love their aesthetic. Yes. And yes. I've always loved their... It's kind of strange, you know, uh, 
I do believe that if you, you know, what I've noticed is that a lot of things that I think about or save or write down, I sometimes they do come to fruition. I mean, or, you know, mm-hmm. people, you end up connecting with these people, you know, in some way. It's just very interesting to me. Um, so anyways, yeah, I've, I've loved to see that. So I would love to have a collection. I've thought about like exactly what you mentioned, incorporating my art, um, you know, the house and some of the images and the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my grandmother was a painter. Oh, and that me. was mm-hmm. amazing because, um, I knew that and she passed away a year ago. So I knew that before she died, obviously, but Growing up, going there, I had no idea that all mm. the paintings on the wall in the house in Raja Villa were her paintings. Mm. Like, I mean, there was 30 or so. And she was like beautiful. a hobby painter, a side painter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea. And so that was amazing. And and actually, at the same time, which is also amazing, where I grew up in my small town in Ohio, my mom's father was a hobby painter. He was mm. an oil painter. And I used to sit in his basement and watch him paint in his studio. And I was the only one of my sisters who did that. So, it's like, you know, looking back, it's just <laughs> yeah. amazing. I, I think that's really comes important Yeah. Well, you know, as a mom, I'm thinking about that now. When I right. see my boys have these very special interests, I'm thinking, you know what? That is like little Joya watching her grandfather paint, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so sometimes these things, you know, do show up when they're young. It's just interesting. So. That is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um, just looking at your beautiful photographs and the artwork, um, you know, this we touched on this idea of the nostalgia, but it's a very interesting um, sort of space to navigate because I think there's um, a, a real, um, I don't want to say a danger, but, you know, there is kind of the downside too of having a nostalgic, romantic vision of something Indian, <laughs> which right. even people within <laughs> India, uh, you know. know, certainly do. It's not only outsiders. Um, right. But I think there's a real beauty, too, in that sentimentality, that attachment, especially when it's a childhood nostalgia. So, um, I, I, anyway, I find it really beautiful looking at your work, and I, I really feel like there's... Um, Maybe the fact that you're really still connected with that place and it really is your own history, um, you know, kind of um, makes it all the more authentic and meaningful. Right. No. Uh, so are you are you saying when you um, that it being sort of nostalgic could be, you know, is that it's not I'm just trying to understand. Is that because you're thinking it's not as varied of a um, representation of India? Yes. And not yeah. as real. Often. Okay, right, yeah. Right. Um, right. So it tends to become basically a purely imaginary place. Um, anyway, <laughs> this conversation yeah. well, could go like, on. Well, it's not, I know, right, right. We can, we can talk about this forever. Right. Yeah. But I, I see how your work would resonate also with um, these designers you mentioned because... Um, but, you know, again, what's interesting about them and your work, I think, is that there is a real kind of link with history, um, you know, right. with the saris yeah. of Romango, but there is uh, a modern element and a freshness that, um, it, you know, brings it to our 2019 world. Um, right. So. Well, the sari, I mean, that's the thing. The sari, I didn't even realize how interested I was in the sari, but mm-hmm. I just kept painting it and I loved the painting the movement of it yeah and um i think it's because i mean when i was in india oh again this was real for me all my family was in saris and right so now going back it's so different to see so many people not in saris and um i mean still my you know some of my older family members are in saris but not you know everything is so you know i mean people are in t-shirts and trousers is just so different than when I was going up every year. Mm-hmm. And I think my grandmother wore a sari every day, um, mm-hmm. and she, a very simple cotton one. And then she would wear like a shawl over it, but she, oh, she had so many saris. So I think this whole idea was just, I loved painting the saris, but then I liked the idea of something very traditional and nostalgic, of course, but also, um, has cultural significance mm-hmm. and is also can be modern. You know, and I saw that mm-hmm. through the eyes of these designers, 
And I just love that because right. I want, I like being here in America in the States, again, there's all these cliches, you know, about India and everything. And I get that. Uh, but I want my boys to see some things yeah. um, or grow up seeing some things that, you know, are very part of the culture in a different sense. So even just seeing me wear a sari or understanding what it is or mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. how it looks, because there's not a lot of people who wear saris anymore mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. either. But um, so I really like that. Um, and I've actually tried to start wearing a sari when I'm going out and stuff. And it's been yeah. interesting. <laughs> it's great. I mean, again, another topic I think we should yeah. uh, get back to in a, a part two conversation. <laughs> but uh, right. it certainly is kind of going through a revival. Um, and I think, you know, your painting of the saris and the movement, like you say, is very beautiful. Um, it seems to be a strong theme along with motherhood. Um, mm-hmm. Those pictures are also very lovely. Um, so I feel like your work, I don't know if you um, intend this when you start painting, but it really um, evokes a strong emotional response. I don't know if that's something you would consider kind of a driver I I, I don't no I don't think about that ahead of time but I've had that response a lot from people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean most people tell me I I really do appreciate when people tell me what they think when they see it because again without exhibiting it in person and listening to people Mm -hmm. I just have people send me messages or things which is great so a lot of people will say they feel my work is very emotional Mm -hmm. dreamlike Mm -hmm. um soulful Mm -hmm. I get a lot of soulful from a lot of Indians who are surprised that I'm American so, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's just something that's inside of me anyways. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah, but I, I feel like I get those sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like those are the common themes that people share with yeah, me. Yeah. Well, it's really lovely. I think everyone um, should have a closer look on your website, which is joyalogue.com. And um, I'm glad to see there's still a few clutches because they are really beautiful. Thank you. And totally the wearable art, um, like you mentioned. Uh, I would love if you start doing stationery or other things as well. I know, I did did for a while, a couple of years ago I did, yeah. It would be great because I think um, it's, uh, I think there was a, a a print or actually the original of um, this woman with a midnight blue background and a sari. Yeah. And um, I wanted it, but then it was sold out. So it's great I if know. you have the 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 you know diffusion line, <laughs> if you right, will, right, right, <laughs> so right. we can. I know. Um, I I, uh, get... I am adding more um, paintings. I added some of the black and white ones, and then I'm going to be adding a couple of the color ones here that are. Yeah. in my studio because I'm just preparing for a new collection of work. And that's kind of what we, what I had touched on with you, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit of your day in the life. You mentioned, you know, going to the studio. And um, I know that you sometimes return to work in the evening, which... I do, yeah. Again, I, you know, I'm usually just so down by the time my kids go to bed. I am really impressed by this. But then when I think back on your you know, sewing all these um, Joya baby clutches at like one in the morning, I, I guess it's I not surprising. Um, well, yeah, I mean, well, your children are younger than mine. But see, so I have, I mean, I have two teenagers and then my little one uh, is eight. But mm-hmm. I think what helps me is that um, they're all in school now. And so I really, when they go off to school, I come up to my studio. I mean, I make coffee and things, but I come up to my studio or I paint. We have a conservatory room, which is also beautiful mm-hmm. um, and so has a lot of beautiful lights. So it just depends where I'm in the mood to paint. But mm-hmm. I do focus on painting for the first part of the day unless I have to meet with like a client or have a phone call or mm-hmm. something. Um, and then I, in the afternoon, you know, the days are not long enough because the schools get out so early and they have all these extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. So I end up being a taxi driver, Uber for a little <laughs> while. And, but I always pack a bag of work with me, oh. um, because I'm at these, they're all sporty. So they're at the soccer and the track. So I pack like, you know, my sketchbook, my watercolor travel set, which I love, um, that I just bought for India and I just love it. Mm. And, um, it's by, um, a place in San Francisco, I think area case for making is called, but anyways, um, they've got great watercolors and supplies. Yeah. I saw them actually on, um, Seema Krish, uh, who was a guest earlier 
that she um, had used them as well. It looks yeah. lovely. Mm-hmm. Lovely, yeah. So I just pack that stuff up with me. I might pack an inspiration book that I've, I, you know, I'm looking at or whatever. Um, mm. And then I just try to like at least, or if I'm working on a project for a client, because I still take on some client work. So freelance work. So if I'm doing something like that, I'll take my work for that and at least try to get some sketches in or things like that. But it's, it is tricky painting watercolor on the go. I don't understand that really yet. So, um, because there's a lot of drying time in between, uh, watercolors, a lot <laughs> right. of patience. So I'm not, I don't really, I need to talk to more travel watercolorists to find out their tips. But so I do take a journal with me and things like that. I try mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or I run cause I, I try to work out in between all these things too. So I, I do one or the other, I either run or I, work during that time just to make use of that time yeah and then um you know in the evenings the older two are very self-sufficient in terms of work and Mm -hmm. showering things like that so I think really now that they're older it's just different and my husband is very Mm hands-on so um he works you know all day but he comes home and if he's not traveling he'll help make dinner or you know put something together for something or help you know whatever so he is very hands-on so I just and then I don't watch a lot of TV or anything anymore. I mean, I mm-hmm. there'll be periods where I'll try to watch this, you know, something. Like, you know, someone will tell me I, I'm like way behind on the series, and so I'll watch it. But other than that, I just try to spend time um, sketching or you know painting. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, so I'll come back up here in the evening sometimes. And I mean, my mind, I think it's just my personality. It just doesn't rest very easily. So mm. I always have like imagery in my head or ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like that. So I either write it down or, you know, do something because mm. that's why I, I know you, you, um, ask about reading <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh gosh, you know, my, my kids laugh. They're all avid readers. I mean, my, and my husband as well. And they're like, what do you read mom? You know, <laughs> um, which is true because they don't often see me with a book. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I traveled to India, I did take a couple of novels with me mm-hmm. and I did not even get through them all because my mind, again, could not rest. And so I collect books, though. Does that count? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, I go to there's some great used bookstores here that are beautiful, like five stories. And I go there and I buy, you know, art books and, yeah. and you know, like reference books or cookbooks yeah. or things. Um, and like, for example, I've been carrying around with me the uh, watercolor books by Charles Reed. Um, and so I have the figure painting and the portrait painting and they're like reference books, but they're beautiful too. So, you know, these are the things that I then take with me on these things. So just try to fit in whatever I can, whenever I think that's the thing with moms. There's so much, no matter if you work outside of the home or inside of the home, I remember both and it's, there's always something and things come up. The kids get sick, the dogs, you know, this, so many things, but yeah. I just try to fit it in when I can to yeah. make use of the time. I mean, I guess being proactive and taking your journal and or something with you uh, makes sure that the time isn't spent just watching the game. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I sure, know, right? I'm I sure know, has its pluses guess, but, too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, have... I do try to catch their game sometimes, <laughs> but but yeah, but during the trainings, you know, they train a lot. Right, so, right, right. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I do. I mean, and uh, I mean, I'm fortunate. I, I do feel like I am lucky that my husband supports that I'm doing this because it's this is. I mean, art is so subjective, and I think it's a long journey, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I think especially for a busy person that's not because, you know, another great book I read was um, I forget the author, but it was like the daily habits of artists or creatives. Oh, yeah. Did you read, have you read that? Yeah. Um, I loved that because it was all it was all genres. It wasn't just fine artists, writers, you know, yes. um, it was very interesting to read about all these. And to be honest, I mean, I was like, well, that must be nice to be able to close yourself off for the world for, you know, three days straight. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a very unrealistic daily ritual world that oh, does yeah. not exist. I mean, for me. yeah, exactly. No. Like Darwin taking three hour right. walks and all of right. that. Yeah. Right. Or like, you know, so and so closing off and like going to like, you know, a little cabin for, you know, exactly. months or something. So, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, I think that <laughs> I like that book, but then at the same time, it reminded me of, okay, I'm in a different world. And so, you know, 
eventually there'll be a time. My husband and I talk about this, like, oh, you know, when the kids are all out, we'll just like go spend like three months here and three months there and hoping like I'm wondering, is that because his job will be that way then or or, um, you know, maybe I'll be more settled in it and we'll be able to do that because I think it would be great to spend time more adventuring like that in a slower pace. Yeah, absolutely. So we're running out of time, but I was wondering yes. if you had any final either favorites or um, tips for people who want to paint who haven't been kind of doing it their whole life. Um, oh, well, let's see. Tips, I would just say just start a daily practice, right? And learn that retrospectively. Mm-hmm. Um, start a daily practice. Don't be afraid to share your work. And don't take it too personally. I mean, it's always personal. But um, don't get hung up on the social media, likes, follows. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I've just decided that I just post whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't really care, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I think connect with people. I think that's a big thing. Finding people that either understand what you're trying to do or will listen to what you're doing mm-hmm. or give feedback. Um, they don't have to be, like, literally in your city, but... Um, mm-hmm. make time for that in an effort. I think that's been really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, favorites. Um, I mean, right now I'm like really obsessed with my Fuji cam- film camera. So um, oh. if anybody's looking for a good camera, it's um. so I always had an SLR or a film camera. Yep. I did take a film photography course back in the 90s. Um, but And I've been too reliant on my iPhone. So this is the uh, X-T20. It's a mirrorless camera, so you can get different lenses. And the video is amazing. Like uh, the upload, the syncing to your phone, everything's amazing. So I just love it. And okay, now great. I have a hard time. Now I have a hard time like using my phone for anything. So I'll you will see me now with that strapped around my neck <laughs> because I just love it so much. Oh, and I totally great. embarrassed my teenager this past weekend in New York City because he thought I looked like a tourist. And I'm like, I'm not a tourist. I'm a documentarian, you know. Um, <laughs> well, anyways, or an artist that's looking for inspiration. So I love that camera. It's a great. So that's one thing I'm thinking about right now. Oh, lovely. Okay, I'll add it to notes in case someone's looking for a good camera suggestion um well thank you so much joya this has been a real treat um for people who are looking to follow your work um i think instagram may be a good place to start at rajavilla yes and then your website is joyalobe.com so um yeah i look forward to talking more at some point about the story and uh, so many other things but thank you so many things thank you so much it was a real pleasure thank you and thank you all for listening um please subscribe uh, to the show on itunes and share these wonderful women's conversations and stories we are at indian edit podcast on instagram thanks again for listening bye